Come on, let's give God some more praise. Hallelujah. Glory. Hallelujah. Bless your name, oh God. Bless your name. Bless your name. Bless your name. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you. Dear Jesus, what a privilege and a pleasure it is to call you Father because you have been so merciful to all of us, Father God. You are indeed our Heavenly Father. And I pray today that you would take this word, God, and that you would divide it up and put it in everybody's heart. Let us all receive what you, the portion that you have appointed to each one of us to be a blessing to the kingdom of God. We thank you for this house. We thank you for the love that abides in here. We thank you for the integrity in here. We thank you for the leadership of this house and all of these precious people that worship and carry out the ministry here at Living Water. I thank you right now for what you're doing. We thank you for healing the sick, the oppressed, those that have been afflicted in every form that the enemy tries to destroy the people of God. We thank you for what you're doing in our lives. And we bless you. And Father, may we be of service to you to render back to you the kindness that you have shown to us by winning the loss and the dying. This is the prayer I pray in Jesus' almighty name. Amen and amen. You may be seated. Thank you so much. Amen. I give honor to the presence of the Lord. Uh, indeed, it is a pleasure to be here today. And uh, I certainly do give honor to the most honorable leader, the leaders that you have in this house. Pastor Faison and his precious wife. Amen, amen. And to all the ministers of this house and to all of the leadership all the way around. It is my pleasure and my privilege to be in service with you today. I want you to know you're one of my favorite churches, probably one of the most favorite. Mm -hmm. nah, nah. I like the bottle. <laughs> I like the bottle. Amen. I love the leadership you have at this house and I love all of you. And uh, I know you don't get to see me that often because I rip and I run all over the place. But there is not a week that I do not think of you. Every single week I think of this house and I go down, I go down the rows because I'm not used to you sitting there. I'm used to you sitting on the end. Amen. <laughs> see, I know where you sit. <laughs> all of those things. I'm just, just indeed glad to be with you. I'm not going to be before you long, but... Uh, the Lord put a word in my mouth uh, to share with you and to share with the body of Christ. You are indeed blessed. This is your church anniversary month. And uh, church, what a privilege it is to be in church. What a, what a privilege that God saved us. And in this trying day and time that we are living in, that God saw fit to love us enough to draw us into salvation with all of these millions of people that do not know the Lord, but God saw fit to save us. And so 
uh, I am grateful, grateful in my heart. And you are indeed blessed to be under the authority and the leadership of the Faisons. God selected you. Yeah, that's a good place to applaud, and I'll tell you why. Amen. God saw fit to put you in the care of people that truly have integrity. And that is so important. That's all I can say. I go, I go a whole lot of places. You got integrity here, okay? You got integrity here. All right, let me get right into it. I my husband told me to bring his greetings, send his greetings to the two of you and to the entire church. Amen. Amen. We've been hanging together. They had an anniversary, and my husband and I, we've been together uh, over 52 years now. In marriage, 52. Longer than that. And uh, you can do it. You just have to, you have to be selfless. Amen. My sister, what's your name? Where you from? No, you just turned around. Uh-huh. Are you, you're not from one of the Magnites, are you? Okay, all right, you look like someone else. Okay, all right. Uh, face I got to get used to here, too. Amen. Um, it is a blessing. You have to be selfless. Hi, Matthew. You have to be selfless in your marriage. You, you have to live for your mate. You have to share and give and, and uh uh, my husband says the best way to stay married is to say, yes, dear. <laughs> I like that. I like that. Amen. All right. Turn your Bibles to 1 John, the second chapter. And I don't want to read the whole chapter, but I'm going to read a bunch of it, okay? Amen. 1 John, the second chapter. Starting in that first verse. My little children, these things write I unto you, that ye sin not. And if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. And he is the propitiation for our sin. And not for ours only, but also for the sin of the whole world. And herein we do know that we know him if we keep his commandments. He that saith, I know him, and keepeth not his commandments, is a liar. The truth is not in him. But whosoever keepeth his word, in him verily is the love of God perfected. Hereby know we that we are in him. He that saith, he abideth in him, ought himself also to walk, even as he walked. Wow, that's so powerful. Brethren, am I right? No new commandment unto you, but an old commandment, which you had from the beginning. The old commandment is the word which you have heard from the beginning. Again, a new commandment I write unto you, which thing is true in him and in you, because the darkness is past and the true light now shineth. He that saith he is in the light and hateth his brother is in darkness even until now. He that loveth his brother abideth in the light, and there is none occasion of stumbling in him. But he that hateth his brother is in darkness, and walketh in, light, in darkness, and knoweth not whether he goeth, because that darkness has blinded his eyes. I write unto you, little children, because your sins are forgiven you for his name's sake. I write unto you, now let me go back to the 12th verse. I write unto you, little children, Notice the word children. 
because your sins are forgiven you for his name's sake. 13th verse, I write unto you fathers because you have known him that is from the beginning. I write unto you young men because you have overcome the wicked one. I write unto you little children because you have known the father. And the 14th verse, I have written unto you fathers because you have known him that is from the beginning. I have written unto you young men because you are strong and the word of God abideth in you and you have overcome the wicked one. Now go down to uh, this week or tonight before you go to bed, read this entire chapter. But go now to the 28th verse. Let's turn the page, go to the 28th verse. And now little children abide in him that when he shall appear, we shall have confidence and not be ashamed before him at his coming. Amen. The word of the Lord is right. This is such powerful scripture. One of the things uh, about the author, uh, in the, as far as John is concerned, John writes the epistle of St. John, then he writes 1 John, 2 John, and 3 John. Now, you'll hear in these, in these four epistles that he writes, you hear him talk about remain. You hear him talk about abide, amen, and to stay. You'll hear those words repetitively over and over. And so uh, this is a thing that uh, I'm here today because I want to share and build the body of Christ up. Uh, I'm not getting ready to depart. I know that because the Lord told me that when I was 71, I'm 76 now. He told me that I, he added 20 years to my life what he had already given me because he has need of it. There you go, Brother Wayne. I was looking for you. I was like, where's Wayne at? All right. Okay. And uh, he said, I have need of thee. And seemed like from that time on, the enemy just began to attack, attack in a different way like I have not seen. And over the past three years, it has been the roughest three years of my life in some ways. Okay. At the same time, God has blessed me tremendously. I've had a very colorful life in ministry very colorful life. I've had a, a, a good ministry uh, that the Lord has given to me and opened many, many doors at the same time while I was going through many things. Seemed like the harder the devil oppressed me, the more God gave me exposure. And that is exactly what he tries to do. He tries to press us out so that we will never get to attain what has been appointed to us as Jeremiah said, what the Lord said to him in, in that first chapter, he said, I knew you. I was intimate with you. I was actively involved with you when you were in your mother's womb. All right? He said, I called you, set you apart to be a prophet unto the nations. And so we don't just discover things after we get here to find out that God has uh, uh, this thing that he wants us to be involved in. We find out what he wants to be involved in. But God had it already planned from the beginning of time, okay? And so what the enemy's job is to try to get you to abort the assignment that God has given to you. And so while I'm looking at this, and, and I, I've had this great urgency in my heart until at, at one time I began to think, well, maybe, maybe I won't be here a long time uh, all the way till I'm 91. And really it doesn't concern me. I just want to finish my assignment. I want to fulfill, not so much finish it, but I, when I say finish it, I want to complete the work that was assigned to my hand. And what my main theme, my main choice in life 
is to get people to be totally dedicated to God. That does not mean you cannot have fun. I laugh. I love to be around the young people because I, I'm, I'm a real person. I laugh and all that kind of stuff. Brother Wayne says, yeah, thumbs up. And we all know Brother Wayne laughs. Amen. We know he does stuff, okay? <laughs> and I love him for it. But in this day and time that the enemy is coming against the church, there is a great catastrophic change in the scenery of the church of Jesus Christ. Now it is a time where you hear everybody talking about the millennials, the millennials, the millennials. Well, there's always been people the age of the millennials. <laughs> there's nothing new under the sun, but now you have found a name for yourselves. But it does not change God's descript of what he wants from us. And we have to steadfastly stand and remain and abide in God through these counterfeit times that we are living in. There is so much counterfeit until it's unreal. Uh, I'm, I'm looking at how you have to be steadfast, abiding in God. You have to have a solid foundation where God is concerned. Here, uh, several years ago, I think it was Katrina, when we had that, that, that bad hurricane that came through and uh, did a lot of damage, and you all saw on the news and what have you, there was a, a Ferris wheel, and it was sitting out in the ocean because the wind had blown the thing out there and pulled all the water in. That's down in Tom River. That's 10 minutes from our church. Now, we pleaded the blood. We went into the courts of heaven. That's why, see, today they say different things, but the old folks said, plead the blood. Plead the blood. Plead the blood. All right? Because they realize that there are courts in heaven. And what you can stand on is, is a lot of people take the fifth, the amendments. I take the fifth. No, we plead the blood. And that cleanses us, frees us, and rectifies the thing that needs to be done for us in the courts of heaven. Because the enemy will accuse you wherever he can accuse you. You have to be under the blood in every area of your life. Now, I won't take too much time in that. But during that time when that hurricane took place down at our church, we pleaded the blood over the church when we heard it was coming and coming through the shores and pleaded the blood over the members of the church and their property and all of those things. We had not one problem with our church. We didn't have any flooding. We didn't have any shingles blown off the roof. We didn't have any of that. None of the members of our church had any damage to their homes. We had one member that had one little bit of damage. A tree limb fell on the doghouse in the backyard. And the dog wasn't in it. And so everything was all right there, you know? And so I'm pretty proud of that. And then when it came to my house, you know, of course, we had pleaded the blood. I think my husband, if I remember correctly, walked around it or whatever the case may be. But uh, uh, my granddaughter called me the next day. Well, she was in the house living with us at that time. And she grabbed me and she said, Grandma, come, come. She said, come to the door. And she drug me to the front door. And she said, look, look. And I'm looking out the door. And I'm like, what, what, what am I supposed to see? She said, don't you see it? And I'm like, what are you talking about? She said, Grandma, look, look. So then... I still didn't see what she was trying to show me. She said, look up and down the street. So up and down the street, trees have fallen, those big, huge trees all across the streets, left and right. Our neighbors had 
trees laying on their fences, knocked them down, fell on houses, did some of everything. We have nothing. We had no damage. It ran all the way up to 83 Ross Hall and stopped. Then it went over to my neighbors and across the street and all over the place. But nothing happened at 83. Why? Because we live with a solid foundation. And our hope is in the Lord. And the enemy had no place to accuse us in the courts of heaven. And that's another message. I can't get into that today, but I got to deal with this one today. Let's go to uh, the 12th verse. It says, I write unto you, little children, because your sins are forgiven you for his name's sake. Now, it talks a lot about children, and it talks about uh, abiding. But children, in this sense of the word, he's not talking to adolescents. John is talking, and even Paul talks about, calls us children in the epistles also. What it means in the original language is, I'm speaking to what is it? The infants in Christ, the young men, the children, the young men, the fathers. That's what it's talking about, that we are all children of God. And why am I making this statement? Because we're living in such perilous times today where everybody wants to be a wonder. I want to be a wonder. I want to be an apostle. I want to be an archbishop. I told my husband and I said, you know, when I get ready to go crazy, I'm going to become a, a female bishop. <laughs> Not that I don't believe God doesn't use them, but, you know, I just started messing with him. And I said, I'm going, I'm going straight. I'm bypassing everything else. I'm going to be an, a, a, a bishop. And he, he just sat there in his quiet manner, and finally he said, not even real loud, he said, then where are you going to live? <laughs> so we all had a good laugh off of that. And I got the message that I wasn't going to be a bishop in his house and he'd be the senior pastor, all right? But in this time that we're living in, everybody is shooting to be a bishop or archbishop, apostle. You know, I, I don't know where they're going to go after the archbishops. Where do you go with another title after the archbishop? But the biggest thing is I'm a prophet this and I'm a prophet that. I'm not a prophet. God has used me in prophecy. God, I'm a seer. I see stuff way ahead of time that the enemy is going to do to the church that God is going to allow to take place on the earth. And one of the things that the Lord just told me a week ago and two days ago, a week, nine days ago, the Lord told me, he said, this season, I am coming to bless the little churches. He said, I'm going to pour out my spirit in the little churches that we would see signs, wonders, and miracles in the ordinary-sized churches. He didn't fight the mega churches. Amen. I don't have nothing against them. But do not count yourself as less because you have not become a mega church. I don't want to be in a mega church. Now, I'm not knocking it. God didn't appoint my husband and I to that. I want to know your name. I want to go down that road and know your name, know your children, know your grandchildren, know, you know, y'all got married here and that. That's what I want to know for that matter. Okay, I want more than we got in there. I want all of our seats to be filled. But I want to know you. 
And I want to know you so that when I wake up early in the morning, that God has placed somebody in front of me to pray for a particular issue. All right? And then, you know, when I, when I got out there to the parking lot this morning and uh, uh, the brother here, he was there. And I just smiled when I saw him. I love Sister Dot, but I love him. I love Sister Dot, but I, I truly love him. He is, he is such a precious, precious person, you know. And, and when I saw him and I put my window down and I said, I'm so glad to see you. And what, what did you tell me? You said last night. He, he said he told God last night, I love Mother Graham. I said, you didn't even know you were going to see me this morning out here like that probably. And so, but the Lord, you know, the thing is, people are so caught up in the names and the latest thing and prophet so-and-so. One of the members came to me, well, she called me up and she said, I invited a friend of mine that I grew up with and uh, uh, he wants to start a prayer group uh, online with some of the young people at our church. I said, I'll tear it apart if you try. 33-year-old prophet. What you going to tell me? Okay? Not that God doesn't use 33-year-old people, but what are you going to tell me? You don't go in nobody else's church to disciple the people. That's what you got them for, him first, her next. All right? And so all of a sudden now these prophets are, listen, anybody call you up, try to get you on a prayer conference that you meet every week with them that bypasses them. You don't know nothing about, they don't know nothing about this mighty most prophet. It's from the pit of hell. It cracks me up listening to somebody that's 23 years old preaching, talking about, I just didn't know what I was going to do to pay my bills. But God will pay your bills. Have faith in God, and you living with your mama. What you going to tell me? And you living with your, you ain't got no car insurance. You don't have no mortgage. You don't have no health insurance. You still under mine. Amen. Amen. All right, come on back, Shirley. Let's stay, let's stay focused. Let's stay focused, all right? So in this time, we're trying to be far more then God has called them, and to be it before God elevates them to that state of mind. And what is happening is, in the black churches, especially in the black churches, we are forever splitting off. And this one is taking a chunk, going off to be with somebody else, or starting their own ministry. I don't know how many people call me up over the period of time and years and say, Mother, what's your opinion? I feel that God is calling me to go out and pastor. I said, no, he not. He calling you to be steadfast in your church. Now, why are you going to call me? You know I got a reputation for telling the truth. I tell the truth to my own self. I tell it to my children. I will never be a parent like Eli, that all of a sudden everybody else's kids are wrong, but my kids are sanctified. When they wrong, they wrong. When I'm wrong, I'm wrong. You judge yourself, lest God not have to judge you. I grab them kids of the mind and jack them up in a heartbeat and tell them, I don't want God to kill you. You better get it in line. Lord have mercy, Jesus. And so in that 12th verse, all right, 
he says, I write unto you children. That's the entire body of Christ. Because your sins are forgiven you for his name's sake. Don't get high-minded. Remember that we are children in the eyesight of God. Now, years ago when I got saved, back in the day, back in 19, I think, 56, I think it was 1956, I was 14 years of age, and uh, that morning when I got saved, oh, my God, they brought us to the altar. There was no such thing as, now let's recite, re recite the sinner's prayer. Come into my life, which I do at church all the time, recite the sinner's prayer with the people when they come to the altar. They didn't have no sinner's prayer back in the day. You came to the altar and they said, start calling Jesus. Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. After a while, you called Jesus until the power of God fell on you. All right? I very seldom see the power of God fall on anybody when they say, Jesus, I receive you as my personal Savior. Come into my life and save me from my sin. And people are sincere, but I don't see that sanctifying power hit you until you start praising God. All right? Come here. Come here real quick. I want to show you something. A young man walked up to me Friday night at a dinner that I was at. You stand on this side. And he said, I watched you down through the years, Mother Graham, when you come to my church. And he says, what do you do to get where you are? I said, at age 14, when I got saved and filled with the Holy Ghost that Sunday morning, because I didn't know you were supposed to wait to get filled. So when they picked me up off the floor, I was speaking in tongues because I was praising and praising till my language changed. And so uh, I said, right then, in my bedroom, I, I had a, a mat a rug, a side rug on the side of my bed. So I didn't know a whole lot about intercession, but I grew up around prayer all my life. So I would go in my room, and I would lay down on that rug on the side of my bed, and I would literally stay in there sometime an hour or two, more than likely two, sometime better. And I would just lay there. I would visualize Jesus from the waist down with a, a rope around his robe and long robe and sandals, shoes, feet. And I would lay my head where I saw his feet. And I would lay there, and I would praise him, give him glory, and tell him how much I loved him. Then I would pray for the two or three things that I thought that I should pray about. But then I would stay there in praise and worship. I said, when you spend time with God, now that's all of us. When you spend time with God, this is what happens. He's there praising. He's there praying. Close your eyes. Put your hands up. He's praising, talking to the Lord. What it calls for is it draws Jesus to us. You don't know that he's here. You don't know that he's getting closer. But after a while, I'm in his space. He, he might not have felt me come, but he will feel, and all of a sudden the tears will start rolling down your eyes, out, and you'll just begin to, God, I praise you. I praise you. Because Jesus has come into your space, and he will touch you. Thank you, son. Thank you. So it takes going to be with the Lord. But now we live in a day where everybody thinks because they've been to two or three uh, uh, um, biblical courses or have a master's or whatever in this and biblical studies and whatever have you. I've been to so many Bible schools and all that other kind of stuff, and it is necessary. But the best thing I have learned from God is that that I found on my face before God, uh, seeking him. History I learned a lot of. Now we come to church, and your pastors can be preaching. 
and you're sitting there going through your Bible, checking them out, reading from some other place that because you're not necessarily interested in what your leader is preaching or teaching, or you're trying to discredit, or he needed to have picked this scripture, or she needed to have picked this scripture to go along. Who died and left you a judge over the person that God has assigned to watch for your soul? My God, my God, my God. You might have more of a degree. All those kind of things than, than the leadership of your church. But God appoints who he wants. If he had not been appointed to this house, it would have closed long time ago. You are sitting in here because God appointed him to watch and them to watch for your soul. So you need, even though you have more degrees than he will ever get or she may ever get, but you sit there and you listen to the truth that God speaks out because that is what's happening today. What you think, oh, I'm mature, I'm mature. But really, now let me go to it a little differently. Let's go to the 13th verse. It says, I write unto you, fathers, because you have known him. Notice it says, first it starts talking about children. Then it goes to talk to fathers. Now I've come from being a, father, a child. Now he's talking about fathers. And he says, you have, I write unto you, fathers, because you have known him. That is from the beginning. I write unto you young men because you have overcome the wicked one. I write unto you little children. Now God takes these things backwards. He goes from fathers to young men to children because what? You have known the father. Now, when you get saved, you are a child. But there are many people that got saved when they, as I did when I was 14. There are many people that got saved when they were 35 or 57, but they have remained children. Now, what is a child? A child is an infant, and you have to come to know the father. And when you come to know the father, you won't have a necessity to sit there and check out your leader to see if they're off. Did you hear what I'm saying? All right. An infant has to learn the father the parent, the mother, the father. Now, one of the things that uh, I found out a number of years ago, I wake up in the middle of the night sometime when my husband's away at the conventions and things, and I like Discovery Channel. And I go to the Discovery Channel, and they have, you know, different things, animal, you know, history and discovery. One of the things about, don't all the zebras look alike? <laughs> but they're not. They're not. And so here... You get a zebra, which all I thought for years, they, wow, they just all look alike. I wonder how they know who is who. Maybe they smell the mama, smell the daddy, you know, kind of thing. But when the zebra baby is born, the mother takes that zebra, a little baby zebra, aside, and, and, they, and she keeps it. She just keeps it so it doesn't get to see other zebras. Because, like, nobody has your fingerprints. The zebra has a special set of stripes, especially right here, right here, that are totally different from any other zebra. 
Oh, I tell you, nature is awesome. How God made us all. Nobody in the entire world has our fingerprints. No two zebras are the same. So that mother keeps that baby turned aside until it gets to know the, the in its forehead of its mother. And the father also assists. So when they let him out with the other pack, he knows how to find his parents. Do you hear? Now today, you got all kinds of false prophets. You got all kinds of crazy theories that are out here that are being preached. And I'm going to tell you one of these things is eternal salvation. No, you are not eternally saved. You are saved as long as you live the life. God will forgive you for your sin. That's why it says we have not a high priest who cannot be touched by the feelings of our infirmities. For he in like manner has suffered as we have. Now there's a theory and one that goes forth. And uh, a, a person I used to look at that I thought, have you ever noticed that some people you had great confidence in and you listened to them for years and then all of a sudden it was like, no, I don't want to watch that. And then, no, I don't want to watch that. Then finally you stop recording it and, and stop recording the teacher. And you're like, why, why am I not watching this? And the Lord has not told you anything. But all of a sudden, you didn't hate them. You just, it was like, no, it's not feeding me. It's just, and it's good stuff. And then later on, they start coming out with these new theories that are contrary to the word of God. That means if all of us are saved, I'm going to call his name, this one person that went totally off and everybody knows. Carlton Pearson used to be so fantastic until it wasn't even funny. Not just his music, but his teaching. I used to go out to Tulsa, Oklahoma for his conventions. Oh, it was so good. And then he came out with that there's no hell, that everybody's already saved, and that Jesus paid the price. They take a piece of the truth, and it becomes distorted, and all of a sudden, we're all saved. No, we're not. So when you get saved, don't try to run. Learn the Father. Spend time with the Father. Enjoy being an infant. Enjoy snuggling with your Father. I remember my dad so good. God bless him. He was such a beautiful person. He died by the time I was 21. And I thank God that for the time that I had him. Uh, he never heard me preach. Uh, uh, he looked at me just before he died. And he said, you probably will preach the gospel but God didn't give him to know for sure that I would. And I, he, he died when I was 21. I was 35 when God sent me out. So it was a number of years, or almost 15 years, before God sent me out to preach the gospel. But during those 21 years, he was a present father. Every day he would get up and he would cook my breakfast. He was the breakfast cooker in the house. He would cook the breakfast for us. He would bring his paycheck home put it up on the dresser, and there it was. My mother, all she had to do was go to that envelope and take out the money that she needed for the house and all that stuff. There was no such thing in the generation that I came from where people uh, bought absorbently stuff that they didn't need. They understood, and they were constantly helping those that did not have. So they shared with the saints, and they shared with their neighbors and their relatives food that we had, all of that thing. And so that was there, 
And one day, uh, uh, the Lord took me off by myself, and he had me to remember my dad was gone. By this time, I've got children. He said, remember how he would go downstairs, and he would scrape your car of the ice and uh, uh, get it going for you so you could go to work and all those things? And I said, yes, he did. He was a good father. Remember all them good breakfasts he cooked? Yes, yeah. Remember the fun? And when I was real little, he used to let me step on his feet, and he would hold my hands. And he would walk me on his feet. Anybody ever do that with your dad? You did, you did that. You're a good daddy. Yes, you are. You're a good daddy. I love you. And he would walk me on, on, on his feet. And I would just laugh and things like that. He even let me take the blame for cracking my mother's crystal pitcher. He broke it, but he let me take the blame. And she would just, how come you? And he would be on the other side of the room just smiling. But he would never let her whip me for it. He let her fuss, but he never let her. He said, oh, don't spank her about that. She's just a child. She's just a child. I said, Mama, Daddy did that thing. He the one that broke that thing. Years after my father was dead and I was grown, grown, grown. I said, Mama, I said, you know what? I didn't break your picture. She said, I knew that. I knew your father broke it. But it was a relationship. It was a relationship. Getting ready to marry somebody that was of the world. All right? Well, the world is always cool. Tall, dark, and handsome. I mean, had everything going. You just look at him and go, whoo, Jesus. I didn't say Jesus. I just said, oh, my God, my God. My dad took me to side three days before he went home to be with the Lord. He said, daughter, please don't marry that young man. You are not like your father, your mother. You would never put up with what your mother put up with for me to get saved. He said, you would fight him. I didn't know nothing about fighting. I wasn't a fighter. And he said, but you would fight him. But see, parents can see down the road what you cannot see where you are right now. And all of those things, and that was the thing that made me stop. And also the mothers, now I'm going to skip a little ahead in the message. We had mothers in our day. There was Mother Vic. I had Mother Vic, Mother Goodshawn, Mother Harrison, Mother Singletary, all those older women. And then there was Elder Goodshawn, and, and, and I can't remember the other guy's name, Elder Fatherhood. And they would talk to us about the things of God. They would take us home, show us how. She was my Sunday school teacher, Mother Goodshawn, Mother Woods. And she showed us how to put a, a, a five-piece dinner setting on a table. Showed us how to line up the silverware and where to put the salad fork and, and the china and all that good stuff. They taught us natural things just as it is in church. Now, the mothers that I grew up with, I have become. And that is necessary. But the generation that we live in now does not want to hear mothers and fathers. How do you get to be a mother and father in God? You first had to be a child of God. We stayed with the Lord. We went to noonday prayer. We, I came home from school, and I heard my mother in the house praying with somebody or just praying herself. And so you go into the room, and you sit down, and, and let them pray for you. In the noonday prayer, they, when they get on, sit back on the locks of their legs and lift their hands and start the most beautiful prayer language you ever seen. I'm not talking about speaking in tongues. Oh, Father God, great and glorious, 
God that we serve. I mean, they could describe God. And then when they got finished with that, they would come over and get us kids and lay hands on us and say, send them to the farm fields and send them to this way. Use them for your glory here. Use them for your... Today, don't nobody want to even come to church on time. When you love the Father, you're going to be on time. You won't come in and say, God understands, so I'll just take me a nap and I'll get there when I get there. If service starts during the week at 7 o'clock, why are you there at 7.30 and you've been home since you was 3, 3.30 this afternoon? Oh, I know I'm preaching truth because everywhere I go, it's, the stuff is the same. Sunday morning, service started at 10 o'clock. Here you come 10.45. Slow, walking down the aisle, whatever the case may be. But if they got you picking up garbage from Monday through Friday on that day job, and they tell you be there at 4.35. You are there at 4.35. But you can't make it to the house of God at a reasonable hour for reasonable service. Now, is God looking for people that just sitting up in church? Because I demanded that you be in here. You come in here to be poured into, for God to fill you with his word, with his self, because you have read his word and spent time in prayer with him during the week. So when you get in here, then this word becomes alive that you hear because you fellowshiped him during the course of the week. I talk to the Lord all the time. I don't forget him. I tell him I love you because I do. I love God. I love him. The day that I get to see him face to face, I want to see a smile. I want to hear him say, well done. Now, when you are a child, you get to know that father. So the infancy and the smell of the parent. I still remember what my aunts used to smell like. They were some fine women. Yes, they were back in the 40s. About 1949, they get dressed up. They put on their makeup. My mother's two sisters that weren't saved, she was the only one that was saved right at that time. And before they got saved, they get all foxy fine. And you know what? I get such a kick out of it. Where's uh, Asia? There she is. I love some of them pictures Asia put in on uh, Facebook because she dresses like she goes back vintage, like they dressed. And some of, except that time she cut all her hair off her head and put that part on the side. I put a, a nice long text on Facebook and told her to hurry up and get that right, all that other kind of stuff. And, amen, I, some more people didn't like it beside me. All right, amen. Don't, don't be scared. I didn't like it. You didn't either. Okay. So she all right now. She got her hair back on her head. But I would text her and say, oh, you look so beautiful. Because she has that, that vintage look, although she's now. But you know what that's saying? Keep what you got from the beginning. My aunts, they would get all dressed. They put perfume on me. They put lipstick on me. And then they would sit me down and we would sit on the sofa and wait for their dates to come. And I would just sit right there and look at them. And they were so pretty and everything. And when their dates would come, I, I would sit right there until I got mad when the guy would take her out and they wouldn't take me. <laughs> then I'd get upset. You understand? But. That's what you learn. Get those things. Now, they'll strengthen you when you're an infant. My son, my son, uh, we only have one son. 
and that's David. He just turned 40 here a couple of weeks ago. And so David would, he would come in if I was brushing my hair, combing my hair, he'd come in the bathroom with me and everything. He would look at me and he would stand there. And one day while I was doing my hair, he reached up and took the sink and he chinned his little body up over the sink. And I looked down at him, I was shocked that he had the strength to pull his entire little body up. Why? Because he was a man. Men have strength in their upper bodies. Yes, they do. But we all have strength, but men have strength in their upper body. Women have strength in their, the lower half of our bodies because they die in the labor room. Every brother would give up the ghost if they had to go through childbirth. Is that not right? They would go. When, when I was having, having babies and they were teaching the Lamar's method, and so my husband was the coach, and he, they would teach him, now you're going to breathe and she's going to follow her, so you got to breathe the pattern that's right so she can look at you and breathe your breathing. Boy, it got so rough after a while, I looked over at my husband, I didn't know what I was supposed to be breathing. I was just hollering. <laughs> I looked over at him, and he was like this. <laughs> <laughs> that Lamar's method didn't work for us. Maybe for them other people, but it didn't work for us. But he, that little boy pulled his body up, and I looked. He only did it one time, but what I didn't realize, God was teaching me something for me to remember down through the years. There was strength in him, but it wasn't time for that strength to come forth. Do you see? He had the ability. Then he says here, let's go back to that 13th verse. I write to you, fathers, because you have known him that is from the beginning. You spend that time with the Lord in the beginning. Now, some mature Christians are still in the infant stage. You haven't got to the adolescent stage, less known to be fathers and mothers. And that is what is necessary now, beloved saints. We need fathers and mothers in Christ. Yes, I'm a preacher, but I have an anointing to be a mother in Zion. When people started calling me mother, I was 50. I didn't have this gray hair I got. I didn't have, I don't even know if I had any gray hair at 50. But it, that was that, you know, I was, I was kind of cute, you know. And they're there. But they started saying, Mother Graham is here. They stopped calling me evangelist. Then they put, later in the latter years now, they called me uh, a Reverend Mother or Reverend Evangelist Mother, but they put them all my titles together, okay? So I went and I looked in the mirror. And I said, is some wrinkles? Is something going wrong in my face? What's going on? Am I dressing wrong? I, I got on old people clothes. But it had nothing to do with my outer appearance. They were catching the anointing and the calling that God had put on my life. Well, how are you going to get to be mothers and fathers in God if you have not first been an infant that learned their father? How do I know a father? I know his markings. I know his ways. I learned his voice. I remember the first time I heard God speak to me. It blew me away. 
I'm coming home from work. And I had been speaking, uh, praying, and laying before the Lord. And the Lord told me what he told me in my car, which I've shared with you, I'm sure. And when I, I went to looking all in the back seat of the car, see who was in the car talking to me. And there was nobody. So I excused it and dismissed it from my mind. When I got home and, he, and, and the thing happened and I opened the door of what God was talking to me about and he said, I told you this would take place. I heard the voice again. But I had been spending time with him for nothing, not asking him to call me to preach, not asking him to make me a prophet, not, not going. I ain't never been to a seminar in my life on how to prophesy. Never been to none of these dissertations that they got over here for the weekend that you got to spend $250, and they're going to teach you how to give a word of wisdom and knowledge. I don't know that. I'm going to tell you what I hear. You are growing in Christ. You're Sister Dot's son, right? Okay, I'm sure you've been praying that. Whatever, because that's what we pray for our children. I don't care if they're walking on water. We're still praying that. Why am I telling you that? Because I hear it. I hear it. I never been to no seminar learn how to hear. I learned how to hear by spending time with the Father. Maturity, spiritual maturity is knocking on your door. And I'm not putting you down, son. Believe me, I'm not. Maturity on a level that you have not known is coming into your life. Glory be to God. And he's grown. He's got a wife. He's got children. But God is saying there's another level of maturity. We can be grown and old and immature about the things of God. So he says here, let me go down further. We need to know the Father. We got to come from being infants to know the Father who will love us the most. Okay? The, the, I talked to you about the zebra stripes. The baby has to learn who it belongs to. We got to learn who we belong to. Then in that, and finish that 13th verse, it says, I write unto you, little children, because you have known the Father. Then there comes, we come to the adolescence stage, the adolescence where we grow up. And we, but we are, we're adolescents. We're not babies anymore, but we're adolescents. I remember... Uh, my, my, my son, there was always a difference in him from the daughters because girls don't have the firm grip because we're ladies. There's nothing, that's how we want to be. Okay? You don't want no girl come walking through like a thug. Well, no, no, that's for the guys. Okay? I'd be like, oh, ho, ho. Get some feminine in here. You know? Don't come in here like that. But as my son, the daughters, I could pick them up, and they were happy and grinning and all that kind of stuff and everything. But then as my son began to grow, and one time I looked at him uh, many years ago. I had an operation, and uh, uh, it, it, it put me way behind. I had to recover from that. It was a serious operation. And so uh, I had to get upstairs, and my husband was trying to help me to get up to our bedroom on the second floor level. My son ran and came over to me, and he put his arms around me, and he pulled me to his chest. 
And he was, come on, mom, come on, mom. And my son is six, six one, six two, something like that. And he's broad. He's a big man like his father, okay? But he's a young man. He's all, all of a sudden, I'm feeling muscles, hard, chest, strong arm. And I'm like, when, when did this happen? <laughs> he has become a man. Now, when I was holding him in my arms, he showed me in the beginning that that ability was in him when he chinned up a little over a year old and looked over in the sink and looked up at me. That strength was in him, but he hadn't learned yet. Now, if I tried to make him or his father tried to make him lift weights, it would have done him damage. It would have done him damage as an adolescent to lift the weight. But now, all of a sudden, he becomes chiseled, and he starts lifting weight, and all of a sudden, these muscles start coming out from everywhere. I'm sure uh, Wayne looks at Quince and goes, where did he, where did he come from? But he came from him. You understand? You came from your parent, but God has an assignment for you. He didn't just call you to be tall. He called you to be big in Christ. That's what he called you for. My God, my God, my God. And I felt him, and he carried me up because he's now coming from that infant stage to the adolescent stage where the strength is primary. And that is what we have to learn to do. Let me hurry up so I can get finished now. Let's go to that 14th verse. I've written unto you, fathers, because you have known him that is from the beginning. I've written unto you, young men, because you are strong, and the word of the Lord abideth in, and ye have overcome the wicked one. 15th verse. Love not the world. Neither the things that are in the world. Now, let me put a pen there, and I'm going to come right back to that verse. One of the biggest spirits that's out here today is pride. I'm all that and a bag of chips. No, you're not. Humble yourself. Unto this man will I look. That, mean, that verse says man, but it means human, male or female. Unto this man, Isaiah 66 and 2, will I look. To him that is of that is poor in spirit and contrite, poor and contrite in spirit and trembleth at my word. That's the person that's going to get God's attention. Not the one that I'm the mighty most this, that, and the other. You got stuff out here. Y'all got some precious young adults in here, in this church. The work that they do, uh, Amanda and the other little girl, I can't think of her name. What's her name? Your partner in the mind. Renee? Vernay, the one y'all saying, <laughs> all right? They are so good. The anointing is on them. Your choir sing with the anointing. All of those things, I looked at how you have been trained. I looked at the, the elder, the deacon, whatever he is, and he walked. I don't know if that's your wife or who you just helped her up there. I look at the correctness of your house. 
Do not let anybody come in here and change that. I don't care if it's your son, your grandson, or your first cousin. Do, the Lord said, I'm going to pour out my spirit in the little churches. I'm going to bless the little churches. I'm going to do stuff you have not seen. You, we are about to get a harvest for the labor that we have put into our churches and fed the people. That's why the last few years have been so rough because the enemy is trying to shut us down. You that are at the point of discouragement, you that are at the place where can I make this marriage last another minute, you that are at the place where, God, are you ever going to save my child? The other week, I went through that for the last couple of years, and I'm like, God, God, wherever I went, you saved the young people. Whatever house I went to to preach, if I stayed there, you saved that pastor's children. Why did my daughter have to die? Why? Sometimes it'll look like life skipped you over and blessed the other person, then skipped back over you and blessed the other person, and you're sitting there. But I am determined to walk with Jesus. There is no consideration of turning around and going in a different direction. And so here, I thought about this, and then all of a sudden, all at once, I started getting literally thousands of requests for friendship on Facebook. But guess who they were? Millennials. Young people. Young, young people. And I'm like, what? Oh, then all of a sudden, daily it takes place on Facebook, because I don't look at it every day. I have to go back and catch up with it. Oh, when I was a kid, I heard this woman preach. Evangelist mother Shirley Graham changed my life. That comes up, and those would be the days when the enemy was telling me, it hasn't worked for you. <laughs> no matter what the enemy tells you, it, it, if he tells you it hasn't worked for you, guess what? That means it's working above and beyond your wildest imagination. <laughs> Glory to God. I walk in a place and I'm on program to have comments uh, like the dinner the other night. When I walk up, stand up, they stand up and they applaud. They applaud. I can walk in my church and somebody say something, and they, and they go, oh, my God, that's awesome. And I just preached it the Sunday before. Okay, long as you got it. Okay, long as you got it. You hear? Don't take them for granted. Because the enemy has so many ways to discourage them and to discourage you. And so... I'm like, what, what is going on? What is going on in here? But you see what I have come to now? I've been with the infant stage, and I will never leave the infant stage because I'm going to always fellowship God. I'm going to always spend my time with him because I like being in his presence. Then the adolescent stage where my strength develops and I'm able to be sustained by God no matter what comes my way. And as a song, I'm determined to walk with Jesus. Yes, I am. Through hard trials, tribulation, persecution, I'll be faithful. I'm determined to walk with Jesus. Yes, I am.
then you get to the father and the mother stage where now we impart back to you what we learned from the infant through the adolescence to where we are now. So I can't fail him now. I cannot quit now. I cannot let the devil discourage me now because I'm at the father and the mother stage. It is my total desire to impart from myself to everybody I encounter the sincerity to walk with God, to walk with him, to work the works of him that sent us while it is day for the night coming. No, I can't preach 10 nights in a row like I used to for an hour and a half and lay hands on 500 people. No, I only preach one time a day now. I don't preach three different services on Sunday and two of them be in a different state. I can't do that now. I might think I can, but my body won't let me. But what I do do, I want it to be effective. And that is why I came to be with you. Closing it out, go to the 28th verse. And now, little children, that's all of us. Never forget that we're children of God. Abide in him. And I guess you can title this message, Abide in him. And when he shall appear, we may have confidence and not be ashamed before him at his coming. I kept this. See this handkerchief? Remember when our mothers and fathers, Mother Braggs and all of them, my mother crocheted that hem around this handkerchief. She used to crochet a lot. This was hers. And I had it hanging on, on a picture of hers in one of the rooms, one of the guest bedrooms. And I just grabbed it and I brought it along. She didn't know that one day I would pick it up and take it with me. What does this represent? The heritage that we came from. Your heritage, my heritage. The heritage that you are growing up in. One day, you will take this mantle. Just touch it. It will be yours. One day, this will be yours. Do you see what I'm saying? One day, it will be yours. They never die. They pass their gifts on in the spirit. That is what I came to share with you today. Abide. Go through your tests. Go through your trial. You might feel like cussing. Just don't do it. <laughs> oh, I'm real. I never heard, cur I never thought about cursing. I was old, and when I heard a couple of words come through my mind, I'd be like, I'll be doggone. <laughs> I know I need to get saved now. What done happened to the evangelist Graham? Because I'm telling you, I wanted to say, what the H is wrong with you? Have you lost your total mind? Okay? But I sucked it back, back up. Stayed right on. I'm going all the way with Jesus. I'm going all the way with him. He's my shield and my everlasting fortress.
Let's stand to our feet.